Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Roker Rapport podcast in association with Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. My name is Rich Spate and I'm joined for this uh, preview of the Oxford United game on Saturday at the Stadium of Light by Gav. How are you this morning, Gav? I'm alright, mate. Yes, feeling refreshed after a little walk down the beach, despite the fact, as I was telling you off air, I couldn't get a coffee, which put us off to a bad start. Scandalous, I know. There's a million coffee shops down there. But yeah, other than that, I'm good. Well, maybe everyone's been hit by this COVID bug, which means that I'm hosting today. Um, and we couldn't we couldn't secure a guest from uh, Oxford United, but we're going to have half an hour good old chinwag about the game coming up tomorrow. Before we go into that, though, this week uh, we had the Player of the Year awards at the Stadium of Light. A few of our gang were down there, mm-hmm. and it sounds like a good time was had by all, including uh, some of our friends from the the soup kitchen who who we invited along to join us on our table. It was. A lovely night, both the, the lads and the lasses were there in force and awards were handed out. Player of the Year went, unsurprisingly, to Ross Stewart. Do you think that you know that, that was pretty much nailed on, Gav? Not necessarily, no, um, which might sound daft to some people, but I think, I think although he's been our top scorer this season, there have been other players who've contributed arguably as much. I'm a, hmm. That does sound a little daft when I say it like that, but Alex Pritchard, for instance, I think has been brilliant. And I don't think we would have had anywhere near as many points on the board without his influence. So he was a shout. Um, Bailey Wright, for me, since the turn of the year has been superb. So he was in with a shout. But to be fair, Ross Stewart with the goals, hard to argue really, isn't it? I think did Charlie White win it last year? Similar sort of circumstances really annoy. You 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 can't really not give it to the man who's got all the goals. So... Yeah, I'm I'm glad for Ross though. I think I think he deserves it. I think his form in the last sort of six, seven games hasn't been great. But hopefully that gives him a boost because we need him to be scoring goals. We've we've seen in the last six, seven games other players have had to step up and the fact that we don't concede so many goals now um means that we're not feeling the burden of, of his sort of drop off in form. But I think he'll come good towards the end of the season and yeah, he's been he's been great this season so well deserved, well deserved. And uh, Dan Neal won the men's uh, young player of the year award as well. Which yeah, yeah. I guess was uh, well for me wasn't wasn't unexpected either. Really popular figure, um, mm-hmm. but a, a a boost for him as well because he's been in and out of the side recently. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think there were other contenders 
namely Anthony Patterson. I think when you look yeah. at his influence in the last, basically since Alex Neal came in, the amount of clean yeah. sheets we've kept. He went, he went, he was in the team earlier in the season, did absolutely fine. Went out on loan to Notts County, where they absolutely loved him. Then we brought mm-hmm. him back because of the problem that Lee Burge had with his heart. And he came back and has stole the, the number one shirt, kept a raft of clean sheets, just went about his business rather quietly, unassumedly. And I think if you look at the two players, he's probably been more consistent than Daniel, to be fair. You know, I, yeah. I can't think of many bad games from Patterson. His trajectories only went up and up. And obviously, Neil's had a little bit of a tail off and he's had that little spell where he wasn't able to get in the team. He still hasn't been able to get into the team. But I mean, if we're talking about who's made the biggest impact. It's got to be Dan Neal, hasn't it? He's made such a Definitely. huge impact on the first team. He's came into the side and and um, tore it up, and that's why teams higher up the pyramid are looking at him. So, no, again, brilliant. And fingers crossed we can hang on to him because um, there'll be many more awards, I'm sure, if he stays. Yeah, and, and one thing I, I thought was kind of a similarity between the two is the fact that they're, they're both players who everyone should expect to play at a higher level. Um, and yeah. represent their countries um, as well in one way or another. So, um, of course, he's doing I, well. I forgot about that. To be fair, I forgot about that. I forgot about the fact he's broken the England setup as well, which yeah. is um, another big, big plus point. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, on the on the women's side, uh, another young player who's who's playing under 19s, uh, Neve Heron, got young player of the year. She wasn't there to receive it. But uh, the legendary captain, Kira Ramshaw, won. Um, Women's Player of the Year for the second year running, uh, despite all of the challenges that she's had off the pitch. So that was great to see as well. And uh, yeah, like I say, every, everyone had a, a really good time, and, and some of the photos are uh, a class from from the evening. Don't forget about George Forster as well. Of course, he got well, his lifetime absolutely. achievement award. Yeah, yeah, legendary George. And people can go back and listen to our interviews and songs we've had from George over the <laughs> years. I think the, it was the International Pod, uh, International Fans Day uh, Pod, just yeah. before COVID where we got a nice song out of George. That's always a good one to go back and listen to. But we've got um, I've got a game to talk about. Uh, we haven't got an Oxford fan to talk about, but we have been doing our research to a certain extent on Oxford United. <laughs> is, um, is that what we're calling it? Research. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. A couple, well, bef- couple of minutes before we hit record, we're like, eh, so the top scorer, the, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> think we, we know enough about Oxford, don't we? Yeah, but anyone who looks at them this season will see a team that um, is probably in some respects, overachieved from what we might have said at the beginning of the season. But Carl Robinson's got them playing very attacking football. Seems to be kind of like a, um, you know, you score three, we'll score four kind of attitude um, yeah. to to trying to achieve promotion. They've scored a lot, they've conceded a lot, and they're in, in different forms. So what do you make of Oxford then? I think... I'm 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 reluctant to really take the recent form, and I say recent form. They've lost the last two, drawn a game. So you know I'm reluctant to take that too seriously because I don't know if that's going to really matter too much going into this game. Um, to be honest, I think that Oxford, whenever they play us, it's there's all for whatever reason there's always a bit of needle there. Carl Robinson loves playing against Sunderland. Um, we've seen down the years while we've been in League One that we've we've always had a bit of a battle against them and I don't think this will be any different if I'm honest I think the fact that they've been missing some of their best players in recent games has been um, a factor in the fact that they've lost games recently so and Carl Robinson when he spoke to the the the, the local media there before the game he, he did mention that and said you know we haven't had Cameron Brannigan 
um, who is the the top scorer from midfield, I think, in the league. Uh, they haven't had him recently. He's back for the game. Um, they haven't had Elliot Moore, who's a big player for them. He's back for the game. So it's going to be a different Oxford team to the one that's probably been out there the last few weeks and, and picked up some bad results. Um, but at the same time, and we rarely do this as Sunderland fans, we rarely give ourselves credit as a mm-hmm. team. And I think anybody who's coming up against Sunderland now has to you know, look at the fact that since Alex Neal's come in, we've become very tough to beat. We, you know, we don't concede a lot of goals. Um, we're very organised. We're picking up wins. You know, may- maybe not doing it by playing silky flowing football, but we are picking up wins. And I think people are going to really struggle to work out how to approach us. And that and that's a, that's a big advantage for us going into this game because we've got all of these options. And we were talking about it before we came on air. There, we've got all of these players coming back now to full fitness. You know, Broadhead got thirty minutes in the in the last game. Pritchard got an hour or so. Um, Danny Bart got a full game. These are all players that at this level should be able to make a real impact. And for yeah. the, for majority of you know for majority of the recent um, season, I say from probably Christmas onwards, we haven't really had them. So coming into the business end of the season to get your best players available and fit, and to have a squad which has got so many different options in there makes us a really tough opposition for anybody. And I'm just praying now that the fact we've had a week off compared to them who they played on Tuesday night, we've had a week to prepare for the game. We've got no new injury concerns. Um, We we should be fully focused. We're coming into it with a little bit of momentum. We're not conceding goals. I think that it should be Oxford who are looking over their shoulders and not Sunderland. And we just go into this game and we approach it like we do every other game. We just go in there and we'd be ruthless and we'd, we get the points, and obviously the two the two defeats that Oxford have had recently, that's going to be on their minds. I think a little bit. Um, yeah. They might they might not be as all out attack as they normally are, particularly when you when you look at the league table, um, and you you see you know this this game means as much to them as it does us because they can leapfrog us in the table. They can potentially even um, leapfrog Wickham. So it's a huge game, but. I'm I'm not I'm certainly not fearing Oxford and I think Alex Neal said that didn't he during the week he said there's nobody in yeah. this league I'm not scared of and that's the attitude we have to have. Yeah, we certainly with our squad we we can't be going into these games um, expecting anything other than a win. There has been some talk this week of the fact that they've got a a slightly easier run in than than many in the next few games and therefore a, um, a draw might not be a terrible result for them. But mm. Are you, well, you, you, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know, mind Rich, because they've got MK Dons and Rotherham to play, who are both still in the run for the title, aren't they? And both in the run for automatic promotion. I think Rotherham have dropped off a little. So well, Oxford yeah. have got Oxford. Have, I know they've got Doncaster and Fleetwood who are poor, but when you look at it, three of their five games are against promotion teams or teams who are in the running, us included. So I don't know. I, I, th- I think the, maybe if I could take that, if they maybe. Beaten Morecambe in midweek, but they didn't. They they got beaten. Well, yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. And and that was a that was a big result. Uh, former Sunderland goalkeeper Trevor Carson, I think, pulling pulling Morecambe through right at the end with a great save. Um, yeah. A big big result, really, possibly for our our season. But this one is is big as well. And and Alex Neal was um, sounding very prepared in his pre match comments, um, noting that they've. 
they've been switching from five at the back to four at the back or three at the back to four at the back. Um, and that he's prepared for both scenarios. I was reading some comments from Sam Long, one of their defenders, actually, who, who was saying that <clears throat> that switching between the back three and back four might well have unsettled them, um, which is interesting mm. that he was that candid about that. Uh, and his quote uh, that I pulled out was, was that we turn out every game hoping to get a clean sheet. We play a way that leaves us susceptible at the back, but nine times out of ten this season it's worked. But I think uh, in in this case, we, we're going to be that one out of ten. Because Well, yeah. yeah. Hope, I, I, I think you're right. I think you're right because we haven't, since we played Wigan, played a team who play like that. And yeah. you saw it very briefly in the game last weekend when the, it was probably what one of the only occasions in the game where they got forward and we broke quickly and I think Corey Evans set Broadhead away. Broadhead played it back to him and he put it over the bar. And we never get to do that. We never get to counter against teams, but we've got the players to do it. And hopefully on this occasion, we can actually enact that a little bit more. Given Oxford at the home side and where the away side, they like to play on the, on the ball. They're not going to sit behind the ball like some of these teams have. Yeah, your your puppy's going mad in the background there. I can see. <laughs> he's um, fighting. He's fighting with his new toy. I don't know if you can see him. He's just decided looks to like come to life. Like a leak or something. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's just decided to come to life as I record the podcast, which is typical, isn't it? But there oh, we go. Totally. Yeah, mine was mine was barking away when you were talking earlier. Well, that, that's it. That's his. That's his debut on the pod, though. It's normally me, <laughs> other one that um oh. that joint chimes in. So at least everyone gets to hear the new puppy. <laughs> well, let's let's dog talk uh, more. Kind of talk about Oxford, I guess. They've they've got a prolific goal scorer like we have, uh, Matt Taylor, mm. whose whose stats are a really impressive. Really, um, he's got he's obviously played forty one with twenty two goals, goal at one hundred and fifty four minutes per goal. Scored against us at the Stadium of Light as well. Don't forget, yeah, uh, conversion rate of of twenty five percent, which is which is decent. So as much as we can go into this with confidence, we've got a we've got a bigger challenge, I think, possibly than some of the games we've had under Alex Neal in terms of the the players we've got to deal with uh, going forward. Are you confident that we will be able to cope? I'm, yeah, I'm confident. I don't think there's anybody in this league who we should necessarily feel like I said before. Um, I know they've got good players. Taylor has 22 goals in the league, so clearly he's very good. But Bailey Wright and Danny Bart have both shown recently that they've got the aptitude to um to be able to deal with with anybody so I, I'm, I'm certainly not doubting their credentials in that regard Gavin White's a really good player um again another one we need to look out for Brannigan's the one I think I think sometimes with Sunderland you, you fear that if we don't win the midfield battle that we will struggle in the game um and if he's coming back into the team he'll make an impact I'm sure and He's got goals in his locker, and that's the one area of the pitch where I do worry about us as midfield. Um, although to be fair, I know Corey Evans is the whipping boy at the minute and everyone's least favourite player. But last two games, he's been fine by for me. I think, I think you know, I was sat in front of a bloke at the game last weekend who was slating Alex Neil for not taking him off with about five minutes to go. And I was thinking, well, has Evans actually played badly today? I don't think he has. But I just think when people get it in their head that this is a this player's terrible, they just don't want to see him on the pitch, do they? So I think I think, you know, if if Evans can carry on putting in better performances, if um if we can work out who his best partner is, 
I think it's going to be O'Neill. I just I I talked about this on the pod last weekend, but I've just got a feeling that we'll we'll probably go a little bit more reserved with with our team selection in this one. Um, and I think in the run to the end of the season, we'll probably see Evans and O'Neill pairing up more often than not in the middle. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be a midfield battle, and we're going to have to work out really where we can hurt them. I know they play with five at the back, um, mainly, and I looked up when they played Ipswich, um, and they've <clears throat> they set up with five at the back, and Ipswich took a point off them at Oxford, um, and Oxford only got a last minute equaliser in that game, and Ipswich actually um, matched them up. Ipswich went with a with a with a four. Uh, four in midfield, three at the back, three up front. So, I, I'm I'm guessing really when it comes to this game, Alex Neal's probably looking at it and thinking, yeah, we don't fear anybody, but can I afford to play Jack Clark and Patrick Roberts in this game? I reckon probably not, and I think they might come out of the team in favour of maybe Lyndon Gooch and Broadhead, who are a little bit different in that they are probably defensively better than those two and I think we're going to have to do a lot of running in this game with Oxford and the way they play. They like to, they like to hold on to the ball. So I think that might come into his thinking. We're probably going to go a little bit more reserved but we're probably likely to see, like we have throughout his time so far at the club, we'll like to see an experienced streak right through the team. Um, I wouldn't get me hopes up about seeing Dan Neil Amatete or you know Clark playing in this game. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, but... Ultimately, we've just got to go there and we've got to recognise that we can't afford to slip up. It's as simple as that. There aren't many games left. It doesn't matter who we're playing, whether it's Oxford or it's Rotherham or whoever else that we've got in this run towards the end of the season. These are these are just teams in front of us who, who are... They are in front of us and to get past them, we get the three points and that's it. It doesn't matter whether they're good or bad teams and this is no different. We've got to go there. We've got to win. It's as simple as that, isn't it? We we look at the league table. I was talking to my mate about this the other day. We look at the league table. We're seventh. We're outside of the playoffs. And we're one of the most informed teams in the league. And that just shows you that despite the fact that we've been great recently, the team's also in the running for, for those spots. They haven't let up. They're, they're in similar form to us. Wickham, Chef, Wed, you know, these teams. They're, they're in similar form to Sunderland. And... Regardless of the fact that we've improved, we can't we can't dwell on that because as soon as we slip up, one of them will take advantage, and that's another spot gone. You know, so yeah. I'm just I'm just praying we win, praying we win. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was, I guess, kind of the the difference in in schedules and fixtures and how that might play into this and and maybe some of the future fixtures as well. Because obviously we we decided to continue playing through small COVID outbreaks over kind of the Christmas period. Got got ourselves uh, knocked out of the the trophy nice and early this season, thankfully. Um, and so we haven't had a, a great build up of of fixtures, which has meant that I guess this is like basically our the you know we've had three weeks with one game in it, which has given Neil a lot of time on the training pitch. It's it's allowed those teams around us to kind of catch up the games in hand that some of them had, and and the league tables looking a little bit more re- real. Now, in terms of the the amount of games played between different teams, is not hugely, um, you know, there's not a huge disparity as there was a, a few weeks ago. Um, so we're we're in that position now where we we're fresh, 
we've got a lot of options. We've got a, a lot of people have come back from injury, and uh, and Alex Neal. One thing that's impressed me, I think it's impressed a lot of people, is his ability to make the right change in the game yeah. to affect mm-hmm. the game. And you look, you know, you've run through a potential starting eleven with a bit more experience, maybe a little less explosive flair, uh, and kind of purely forwards play from from Clark and, and Roberts. But when you've got those players on the bench, plus Dan Neal, Matete, Elliot Embleton, possibly, um, that gives Neil a huge amount of kind of scope to to change the game. And and that's been one of the, the key things, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Like I said before, the squad we've got is better than any in the league, in my view, in terms of depth. I don't even think Rotherham have got the depth that we've got. So you've got to use that to your advantage. And again, Alex Neal has said this repeatedly. He knows what he's got at his disposal and he picks the team game to game because he's got all of these options. He doesn't yeah. He doesn't pick a team and it wins and think, right, well, I've got to play with the same team in the next game. Because when you think about it, that logically makes no sense. You've got to pick a team based on the opponent. Um, in the last three home games, for instance, we've played poor teams and he's picked a team which, all right, might not... It might leave us a little bit open at the back in terms of um, defensive structure, but he's recognised that we're playing teams who are going to sit back and he's picked players who will dominate the ball. In this game, I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think we're going to sit back and let Oxford batter us. I don't think that's the way it will play. But we won't have 80% possession like we did last weekend. So I think he's got to pick players who are going to work hard off the ball. Um the only worry I've really got in terms of Nathan Broadhead is that whenever he's been pushed in the past, he's he's re-injured himself. And given he's only played half an hour of football in what a month, I'm actually I'm talking myself out of him starting. I think he might start. With, he might even <laughs> he, he might me even, out of it. <laughs> I think he might even start Elliot Embleton on that side. It's been noted in the past that Embleton, when he played for England at youth level, was a left back, yeah. um, and that he's thought of as a very good player out of possession in terms of his defensive. Um, shape and structure so given the fact that he came on and set one of the goals up given the fact he can play on the left given the fact we know he can rely on him to work hard maybe it would make more sense actually to play Embleton so yeah I have I've just totally talked myself out of that one Um, (laughs) to be honest as much as I would love to see Nathan Broadhead start the game I just think it's a little bit of a risk in a game where you're going to be running a lot and you're going to be expected to you know work harder than we probably have in any of the recent games because Oxford are going to dominate the ball, there's going to be a lot of running side to side, you know, dropping in, helping the fullbacks and stuff. That maybe his impact will be better felt from the bench. Yeah, he's certainly so, a player who can come on, and you know, he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna not do anything in that kind of final yeah. stages of a game. If if you're needing a goal, he's he's proactive. He'll go and get the ball. Like say he'll drop deep. Yeah, he'll uh, he'll be good on the counter, and and maybe. For somebody with such kind of uh, uh, you know injury prone hamstrings, it might be it might be a, an idea to be going up against uh, tired defenders rather than fresh ones. Uh, and I think regardless, beat them. yeah, regardless of the situation, whether we're winning, drawn, or losing, he is a player who makes an impact from the bench. If yeah. you need to hold on to a lead, he's going to work hard for you. If you're drawn, he'll get you a goal. If you're winning, then you bring him on and just that shows it up. You can you can take off maybe say Ross Stewart. Give him twenty minutes rest. Bring on Broadhead up front if you're winning and you're comfortable. Well, you can't say that about a lot of players. I don't think. 
I don't think you can all. He's he's an all rounder, isn't he? So you can't all you can't rely on every player in whatever given situation to make an impact. Where I think with Broadhead you can, but yeah, I think if I was picking the team now, I would go with the same back five. I don't think you're going to see any major changes in defence this season from now, unless Bart or Wright get injured, because that's. I don't know, when we keep talking about experience, those are the two most experienced central defenders that we've got. And mm. we spent a decent wedge on Danny Bart in January, you know, because he's a championship defender. So now he's fit, let's play him. Um, and also, because we don't have a lot of height in the team, he adds something, doesn't he? he does, he's not just another six foot, five foot, 11 player like the rest of them. He's got height, so he's a threat in both boxes, and we need that. So yeah, I would go with the same back five. Patterson's done absolutely nothing wrong to deserve to be dropped and providing he stays injury-free, he'll play every game between now and the end of the season, I think. And that's a credit to him because I did doubt whether he was ready, but he's come in and he's kept... He hasn't had a lot to do, to be fair, but when he has had stuff to do, he's done it. Um, And I'm not so sure that you could say the same for Thorben Hoffman when in games sometimes if he had nothing to do when it came to the crunch, he would switch off. I think with Patterson, he does keep himself ready. So Patterson, Cirkin, left back. Winchester will come in at right back again, um, purely because he's he's fancied there, even though I thought he was poor last weekend. Uh, right and Bart in the middle of the defence. Uh, like I said before, Luke O'Neill will probably partner Corey Evans. I can't see any major change in the centre of the park. With Pritchard just ahead of him, uh, them buzzing around and doing his thing like he does. Embleton on the left. I've definitely talked myself into that. I just think... As much as I want to see Broadhead in the team, yeah, that makes a bit more sense given he's fit and he made an impact in the last match. Uh, Gooch out on the right won't please people. And I think you look at those two wide options and you think, well, where's the creativity coming from? And you'd be right. But I just wonder, will Lyndon Gooch be a bit more a bit more suited to this game than Patrick Roberts? I guess we're going to find out um, soon enough. But uh, yeah, I, 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 he, he likes Lyndon Gooch, doesn't he? Even if it's not in every game, he does come on <laughs> when he when he well, isn't starting and stuff like got, that. You say that they've got twelve assists between them this season. Um after after Pritchard and, and Neil, um our next top creative players are Embleton and Gooch. Um oh, probably right, a, a few 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 more minutes than than some of the other players on the on the list. But um they do, you know, they do create chances. Gooch has created the second most uh chances in the team this season at forty one. Uh, creates over a chance a game. Um, so well, I, I think I think last weekend though I don't know about you, Rich, but I thought when he came on he did all right. He went. I know he came yeah. on at right back, but in the game and I talked about this on the last pod, so I'm going over all ground here. But in the in the game, um, the two wide players consistently cut inside, and that mm-hmm. restricted how much width we had on the pitch because we weren't getting any width from the fullbacks. So Neil opted to put him on at right back, which was again thrown caution to the wind slightly in that we were leaving ourselves a little bit more open defensively. But when Gooch came on, he gave us that width that we didn't have previously and he was just pulling the ball wide on the right and, and whipping it in. So I think I think he can make an impact. It's just he's he's so inconsistent. But you've just got to trust the manager. You've got to trust the players that he's picking. Yeah. And, you know, like I say, he's made, he's made some unpopular decisions recently with, with sticking with Corey Evans being top of the list. And we're picking up results, so who might argue? You know, if he picks Lyndon Gooch, then fair play. Well, looking at Gooch's stats, he's played 35 games this season, hasn't scored a goal. So, law of averages, he's due one. 
So uh, if if he does play, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's maybe it's a game where he can get himself off the mark for the season. I'd love him. I'd, I'd, I don't think anyone. Don't think anyone who who is a Sunderland fan wants Lyndon Gooch not to do well. No, no. The reason that the reason that people get so annoyed with him is because he's we know that he's got it in his locker. Like, didn't he score ten, eleven goals a couple of seasons ago? In this league, yeah. so we we know that he can score goals. It's just for whatever reason he hasn't had a great season. But yeah, you know, like you've just said, law of averages says that he's gonna he's gonna probably score one at some point. So yeah, I mean, I've got got um written into my mind the uh, the flying volley he scored against Akron, um a couple of seasons <laughs> back. That that was one of the best goals I've seen uh, for for a long time. So he's definitely capable of it. And uh, let's let's hope if he does get a start tomorrow. Um, maybe he'll chip in with with that goal. So um, I think we've we've basically covered all the ground there, Gav. Um, yeah. Hope everyone who's travelling down from Sunderland uh, has a safe journey there and back, and and has fun. And hopefully we'll come back with three points. There's going to be plenty of uh, pre-match stuff on the website for you this weekend. Uh, also have a couple of specials for some of the, the lasses who've been playing for England this week at age group levels as well. So plenty of content coming up on rotoreport.com and we hope to speak to you soon. See you later, Gav. See you later. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.